0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor podcast with George Mazaros, where it's
1: all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Omar Zanham with me. Omar is the co-founder of Business Republic and a $100 MBA. Omar and his co-founder, Nicole Baldinu are on a mission to revolutionize business education forever. Welcome.
0: Hey, George. It's awesome to be here.
1: Thank you for being here, Omar. Can you describe what the $100 MBA is for our audience?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, it's exactly what it kind of sounds like. It's a $100 uh, MBA education. Uh, both Nicole and I were in education for over a decade, and we um, kind of have, an ex- have the experience of being educators as well as um, being entrepreneurs. I was in uh, in business for over uh, 10 years as well and I wanted to offer an alternative for people to understand business fundamentals, business skills, you know, sales, marketing, finance uh, at an affordable way that's uh, attainable to most people. Um, so it's a hundred dollars for uh, over 180 uh, video lessons of training. It's a lifetime membership. It also comes with workbooks and interviews and a community forum where you can get to know people and get feedback, as well as some other goodies as well.
1: So what were you teaching before starting the $100 MBA?
0: Well, I started my career in education. I was an English teacher. I was specifically uh, an English teacher as a second language, so people that are non-native speakers, uh, they would... um, the uh, students of mine, they would learn English so they can be able to integrate into the school and, and learn their other subjects in English. Uh, I did that for about five years, and then after that, I transitioned into administration. I became a head of department of uh, of the university I was working at, um, where I uh, led a team of teachers in the foundations department of um, of the school, uh, and as well as being a teacher trainer. So I would train teachers as they would come into our system and and uh, train them on different skills and 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 the way to kind of present and teach in our uh, in our system. So uh, that's kind of my background. Uh, my background is in education, but while I was in education as a side hustle, I was uh, learning how to build things online.
1: And why, why were you doing that? What intrigued you in that?
0: Well, it's a good question. I mean, my father uh, has been in sales uh, for the longest time I can remember. Um, he's actually a trained engineer, but um, Uh, at a certain point i think when i was three or four years old uh we had sort of a depression in the states and we had um he lost his job basically and he was in the middle of trying to find a new job and he picked up a sales job just to make ends meet so he can um you know support his family and uh he just kind of uh fell in love with it and found that uh, something that he's good at um he's specifically was uh, an automobile sales, so a lot of people that have that image of a the cheap uh, used car salesman, you know, that that I never had that kind of feeling because that's my dad. You know, my dad was selling cars, um, but he was very good at it, very, very uh, successful at being a, a salesperson. Um, but growing up, I, you know, you see the struggles of somebody who's in sales. They're on commission. So, you know, finances are up and down sometimes. And um, so I was trying to find something stable, so I, I, um, I just chose to be a teacher. I thought it was one of the most stable jobs you can have. And then I I moved from being a teacher later on into business because I started to feel like um, I wanted to build something for myself. I wanted to, um, you know, have a greater impact. You know, a lot of people don't understand that the educational system is very rigorous. It's very strenuous. It's also very rigid. They don't you can't really change things very easily. You know, there's a lot of red tape and for things to change, it takes years.
1: Was it hard to leave the security of a teaching position or working at a university? I mean, you know, being an entrepreneur is the exact opposite of working for a large university where it's yeah. pretty, you know, I'm not saying it's. Boring, but uh, you know I mean, you have a job, and uh, like you said it's a big machine and and you're not going to make a huge difference one way or the other uh, there's not a lot of risk involved. people tell you exactly what to do. there are a lot of rules and guidelines uh, and you know starting your own business is is really the polar opposite of that
0: you're exactly right i mean and and that's why I chose it initially is because I wanted to you know it's the only uh, career where you can have tenure, which basically means you can uh, secure a job forever. Uh, at the university level if you if you um if you put in your hours, you know but um you know it's interesting how you when you grow and you learn and when you when you stay in a career for a certain amount of time, what used to fulfill you doesn't fulfill you anymore. you know I got promotions, I was a very young um achiever at the time I was you know one of the youngest managers um at that university he's twenty five uh, years old managing people who are 50, which was a big challenge for me because you know, you know education is an old crowd, you know. Uh, so it, it was a tough transition for me because, but I, I planned it. I knew that I was going into it, um, and nothing and nothing in life is guaranteed, as we know. You know, I, I saw people get laid off and fired, and management changes, and people just get kind of uh, moved to the side, and you have to kind of roll with the punches. So. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I've learned that being an entrepreneur can be a little bit more secure. At least you're you're in the driver's seat, you're, you're the one that's making the decisions.
1: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned on your site that uh, your mission is to revolutionize business education forever. What is wrong with business education as it is today?
0: <laughs> it's a good question. Um, well, we have to first step back and look at what's wrong with education, period. You know, um, you know, I, I was in administration, so I would sit in these meetings where we're trying to change something. Let's say, for example, you want to change something in the curriculum. We find that this particular part of what we're learning is not helping the students or is not useful. In order for me to change this part of the curriculum, it's it could take me years. You know, it could take me over, you know, five six years because, you know, you're teaching something because it's going to be tested on. It's going to be assessed, and that assessment. Is not coming from the university, it's coming from a different body, it's coming from an external source. So, in order for them to change their assessment, it's gonna take a long time. So, in order for anything to change, you know, it has to be really, really pushed hard and it's gotta be, you know, it's, it's not easy. So, in that way, you know, education is not current. You know, like what you're, you know, Seth Godin has a great quote. It says, you know, business schools has a monopoly on business education from the 90s, you know, because they're so behind and there's no way for them to catch up because there's so much red tape. There's so much litigation in order for you to actually get anything approved. Secondly, um, there's a huge thing that people don't really they know, but they don't really, really know it is that, you know, education is a business. It is a huge. Um, putting people in seats and making them pay for it. You know, there's a reason why they're so successful. You know, why why do these universities charge, you know, $100,000 for an MBA? Or, you know, it's 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 a business. It's, it's the bottom line. And a lot of people don't know that in universities, there's a lot of rules and regulations for teachers to make sure that they don't give discouraging grades at the, at the beginning of the semester so people don't drop classes, so people can stay on and, and pay for their semester and things like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, a passing student is a paying student. Um, so you have to kind of question what kind of education are you getting if it's all about the money, you know, and and this is just the reality. I mean, this is just the reality of w- where we are. And if people want to deny it, people want to uh, pretend it doesn't exist, it doesn't change the fact that this is w- the situation. Um, so I no. really, I want to really um, create alternatives. I don't think that the university route or the MBA route, you know, you, you can get your bachelor's or whatever is for everybody. I think that's an option for some people. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to build something, um, you don't really need to build a resume.
1: So what is your, let's talk about a little bit about your background. What, what kind of businesses have you started prior to the $100 MBA? Have, have, do you have any kind of entrepreneurial background before yeah. that?
0: Yes, of course. Um, you know, when I first got started, I was just I was just learning about business online. I was reading a lot of books. I've read over 200 books on business. Um, I went to Wharton Business School myself for a semester before dropping out, which is another story. Um, And uh, so I started a whole bunch of businesses. I mean, my first business was an eBay store where I sold like rare basketball sneakers to people. This is something I did back in 98 um, and then I started to have a Yahoo store. I started building websites for clients. So I had a client-based, uh, you know, client services business where I built websites and helped and consulted people with businesses. Um, one of the larger businesses that I, I started was a, a, a online uh, men's clothing line, um, which had you know lots of employees. We had uh, offices in San Francisco, we had in Dubai, New York, um, and we we um, and it was a purely online business. It was retail. So a lot of people... I have a very, very... And when was experience. that? When did you start that business? That business started back in 2010. Um no, I'm sorry, 2009. And then we... And where uh, is that
1: business now?
0: Well, I sold it off in 2012 when I started Business Republic. Uh, I, Me and my cousin started it. And um, uh, it was a really fun and it was a very good experience because it was one of my larger successes as a business. Um, but... Uh, there's something that I learned a lot about retail. Retail is not an easy business to be in. Um, we're very profitable. It was very good, but it's a lot of headaches. You know, definitely mm-hmm. when you're dealing with clothing, you're dealing with sizes, colors, stock. You know, a lot of people don't realize that clothing has a shelf life. You, know, you can't keep things forever. you know, you got to have to sell it at cost or lower than cost.
1: Can so, you share how big that business got? You mentioned you, you and your brother uh, started uh, that business.
0: Uh, it was me and my cousin. Oh, your um, cousin. I'm sorry. You know, it's okay. Um, well, we were uh, selling over a million units in a year. Um, which was quite large for an online clothing store at the time. It was a very, it was a very um, niche store. It was very specialized, um, and uh, we were making some pretty good revenue. Um, our first year, uh, we were making over two hundred and fifty thousand in revenue, and then we increased about twenty percent every year. So it was doing pretty well. We were very happy with our success, um, and we were also very happy with the way we managed our employees and and the way we treated them. You know, a lot of people they create clothing and sweatshops in, you know, Southeast Asia. We made sure that our, our tailors and our our workers were paid uh, very well and we were trying to have a long term relationship with them so we don't have to rehire people over and over. Are you there? Whenever I would like something custom made for myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh is your
1: uh I don't know if it's your connection. Do you have anything running in the background? Because uh the bandwidth seems to be uh
0: uh I think everything is Maybe off email
1: on email or anything everything is off okay
0: yeah let me just make sure my laptop is off yeah i think it's off now everything's off
1: okay cool so let's talk about getting the idea so after you you sold this clothing line business did you have any other businesses or did you go right into the uh, uh the hundred dollar mba
0: well i i had business republic which was the the parent company that I started the hundred on Bay off. So, Business Republic was a is a business that I started right uh, about six months before I, I left my clothing business and and um, it, it basically was a consulting firm. A lot of people were coming to me. My friends, my family were asking me, "Hey, I see that you've been starting businesses online. Um, I want to start a website. I want to start a business. I want to take your advice." You know. It became quite overwhelming for me, so I thought there's a need in the market for me to start some sort of services or client-based business. So I'd help people out through my blog um, we started, um, with the Business Republic uh, e-book. And then after that, um, we started going into the services. Nicole is a New York Film Academy graduate, my partner. Um, so she's very good with film, digital film. So we would go out and do um, trailer videos for, for companies, businesses in New York City, um, financial companies that are looking to do uh, promo videos for their website. Um, I did some web design consulting, things like that. So I kind of started in the services, um, with business Republic at that time. Uh, that's when I was full-time an entrepreneur. I left my day job and I went, um, full force with, with business Republic. Um,
1: and so are you still pursuing that business, uh, business Republic, uh, the consulting
0: business? Well, business Republic still the the site still exists. We still blog on there. Um, we, do uh, <laughs> we do take some clients. Take some clients. We do take some clients here and there. Usually clients that we've worked with in the past, people that um, we've built relationships with, or you know would like to work with us. But it's it's not something we advertise too much. Um, ever since we started the hundred dollar MBA, it's taken you know most of our attention, um, and we started that in December two thousand thirteen.
1: So the Business Republic, uh, you're no longer or was was it not the right business uh, or w- what were some of the challenges with that business?
0: Well, it wasn't the right business. It's just there's a couple of things. One, Business Republic still exists. It's kind of our umbrella business. Um, I always wanted to keep Business Republic there. It's still there. We do sell one-off products there if we ever create something. Uh, if we want to write a book and we sell under the Business Republic brand, um, but uh, – Nicole and I kind of wanted to step away from the services a bit. Services can be very uh, taxing because uh, you're you're exchanging time for money. You know you're working, you know it could be quite lucrative because you could you know you could charge a lot more for a for an actual project than you would for you know a product. But um, you know it, it's just something that we've just preferred. We, you know Nicole's family's in Australia. We'd like to travel, you know, and it's not easy to do that when you're in the services. So we slowly kind of transitioned out of the services. As much as we could as we were starting the hundred dollar
1: MBA and what what year was it when uh, you started the hundred dollar MBA
0: we we launched the hundred dollar MBA on December third two thousand and thirteen so
1: okay so why 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 MBA or or business why not some other topic uh, wh- why did you decide on, on on this
0: because I felt like there's a huge vacuum in the market I think that if you go online and you look for uh, business courses, you look for things like that. You're either going to find a community college, you're going to find university courses that you uh, can take online, like Phoenix Online or something, um, or you're going to find another type of you know tactics or s- specific skills like building your email list or uh, video marketing or things like that have deal that deal specifically with something with online business. Um, for, for me, I find that there's a lot of people that start businesses, they, they have a passion. Let's say, for example, they love, um, you know, they love creating uh, antique uh, – I don't know. They like uh, creating um, fancy T-shirts or something like that, graphic T-shirts, and they love it. It's the thing they love. They love designing their T-shirts and selling them. But as soon as they start working and start selling their product, they start to realize, hey, wait a minute. I just started a business, and I don't know anything about business. Unfortunately, you know, we don't just wake up in the morning and say, Hey, I want to be an NBA player. I'm going to start playing in the NBA. You know, no, it takes skills and practice. and You have to learn it, right? Um, so the same thing goes with business. And I felt like there's a lot of people that step back and say, Hey, I need to learn things like value creation and value delivery and marketing and sales and finance and how to create an offer, how to validate my offer, you know, things like that that really doesn't get taught, you know, on the online world. And I felt like, um, if people can be presented that and, and be given you know an easy way to digest those, those, those skills and those lessons, uh, they would be able to be a lot more successful going into their business, even if they um, already kind of stepped into it and they backed up, it's fine. Uh, they still have time to kind of learn and build their skills.
1: So can you give me some examples or maybe a couple of examples of how the $100 MBA is different from a traditional MBA program? Is it in the courses? Is it the topics? Is it the way it's presented? Well, well, what makes the two so different?
0: Well, what makes it different really is, is that, one, um, it's not dry. We make it very entertaining and fun. Nicole's very good at the editing of the videos, so we make sure that people um, are actually enjoying themselves and they're watching the videos. You know, we make sure that our videos are in bite-sized chunks, so each video will be three to five minutes covering a certain topic of that lesson. Um, and the other thing, it's very interactive. Every video has um, a place where you can ask questions right under each video. You can ask questions right under the video. So if you need clarification, um, things like that. Um, we also have written out notes for each lesson. So if you want to review the lesson, we have the notes ready for you. We have workbooks for you to to, to, to kind of tackle. Um, you also have a community forum, which allows you to meet people, get to know people. Um, you can get feedback from people saying, hey, here's my new logo. What do you guys think? So we wanted to make it a community feel as well as Something that's just fun and interactive, but most of all what people say about the $100 MBA is that it's very practical. You know, I try to make sure that I'm speaking in just plain English. I don't use jargon. I break down, you know, difficult concepts, maybe that's in finance or in pricing or whatever, um, and, and break it down to just normal examples in life and business, things that you interact with every day. Um, and that's kind of what makes it uh, quite different. Um, and obviously the price point. I mean, you're going to get a lifetime access to the hundred dollar MBA for a hundred dollars. Um, you know, there are some students of the hundred dollar MBA that just take it, even if they are thinking about taking an MBA, just so they can kind of get ahead and understand business and maybe make the decision. Hey, I don't maybe I I don't need to go to business school.
1: So, have you done any kind of validation prior to starting the hundred dollar MBA?
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Um, actually, one of our more Popular courses: in the $100 is idea validation. Um, plenty of idea validation. We've, I, you know, I had a pool of people uh, from Business Republic through our blog and our mailing list that I was able to ask questions from. I was, I actually asked people on the street, you know, physically, and people that um, either were in businesses, were starting businesses, students. Uh, in the NYU area. I was in New York at the time when I was starting the $100 MBA Um, and we would make sure that we're asking the right questions about like, you know, I want to make it clear that the $100 MBA obviously is not competing with somebody who's actually going to get an MBA. Um, And if you don't mind, I'll just give you a quick story to show you what I mean. Um, I I actually went to Wharton Business School when I transitioned out of my job And went into uh, full-time entrepreneurship. I thought it would be a good idea for me to get an MBA. I said, "Hey, I want to be a great entrepreneur. I should get an MBA so I could be credible and all that stuff." Um, Obviously, that's not really true. You don't need one to be, uh, you know, a successful entrepreneur. You know, you have plenty of entrepreneurs that don't have a college degree. Um, So I I went to Warren. I applied. I got uh, one of the best business schools in America. Um, and I, uh, I attended a full semester at the end of the first semester, my marketing professor came up to me and asked me, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing here? I'm I'm here to get my MBA. He's like, it's like, no, like, why are you here? I was like, oh, because I want to be a great entrepreneur and I thought it'd be a good idea to get an MBA. And he kind of shook his head in disappointment and confusion. He was just kind of like, you know, you don't need an MBA to be a good entrepreneur. You get an MBA to get a middle management job with no experience at like Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley. Um, that's why these students are here is because they want uh, a high-paying job. If you're not looking to get a high-paying job in corporate America, then this is a big waste of money and time. You can learn what you need to learn um, on your own. You could read some books. You can – through the experiences you already had as an entrepreneur, the experiences you are having with Business Republic. And it kind of was a mind shift for I'm me. I'm glad
1: that guy is not working for me though. <laughs> <laughs> so- and and that's, why, that's why you dropped out?
0: Yeah, I dropped out, I took his advice on. Um, you know, I already burnt through forty thousand dollars for the semester and I thought, oh, let me let me save the money, and take his advice. I can always go back if I wanted to, and I never did. Um so the thing is is that you know, we're not really competing for the student who's looking to get an MBA because they're usually gonna go there because they're trying to get a piece of paper that's gonna validate them to get a job. Um we're our target market is somebody who would like to learn business, and wants an MBA education. But is not in. That's not an option for them. They're not going to pay one hundred one hundred fifty thousand dollars for an MBA education. They're not looking for a piece of paper. They just want to know the information. They want to have the skills, the confidence to know they can understand business, excel in business, build a business. Um, and that's our kind of our target market. So yeah, less
1: about the credentials and more, more about the actual know-how. Exactly. So talk about the. Uh, some of the challenges, I mean, you mentioned you started in December of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges starting the $100 MBA?
0: That's a good question. There are a lot of challenges, especially when you're trying to create something that is is, is of good quality. You know, we wanted to make sure that our video quality is excellent. We want to make sure that our presentation on the website was fantastic, our resources so we when we launched, you know we wanted to launch with a whole lot more. you know we had to you know we had to launch with you know some core courses, and then as we after we released it to people, we added more courses as we went on. So that's kind of a challenge because you know we wanted to launch with a lot more information, but we started with eight courses um, uh, that was about about hundred and twenty lessons, uh, one hundred and twenty video lessons uh and we started with those core courses we brought in our students we you know after you know we we had the launch day and we we um we brought in all the students and and got feedback from them we learned what kind of courses they're looking for what kind of things can we add and then we added a whole bunch of new courses called extracurricular courses and for us we thought that was kind of like a failure cuz like oh we didn't launch with a whole bunch more courses than we wanted but it was actually a a good thing that happened because we actually uh, we're able to listen from our from students we launched so we can open the doors and have students to ask them questions and say hey what would you like and we were able to build courses uh, that they actually want rather than just build courses that we think they want so um, we were able to build these extracurricular courses that deal with uh, you know we have the core courses that deal with the, the fundamentals the principles of business and building a business and entrepreneurship management all that types of stuff and then we have these extracurricular courses that focus on some of the things that you're going to do as you're building a business, things like idea validation, marketing your online business, um, uh, Google Analytics, uh, webinars, things like that. So we were able to build courses based on what our students want. Um, one of the other challenges that we had at the start um, was making sure that our message was clear when we were marketing. You know, we we don't um, – and also targeting the right, you know, the right types of people. You know, um, there are – we have – Usually our, our demographic goes from you know people that have had a college degree, they've been working somewhere for a while, and they're looking to transition out of their life, and they're looking to, build, to pick up new skills so they can become an entrepreneur, so they can start something online or whatever it is, or even offline. You know, our education is very um, applicable to online and offline businesses. You know, we don't speak specifically to online businesses. So, you know, one of the challenges was making sure that we're, we're targeting the right people. And it took us some time to figure that out. It took us about a few months, four or five months to realize that, you know, we're really not targeting uh, that many students. There are some students, you know, people from 18 to 22 that are... Uh, so what
1: were the clues that told you that, you know, well, we need to pivot here? Uh, was it that people were not signing up or uh, tell me about that a little well, bit?
0: A couple of things. One, um, just looking at the pool of the students that we had inside the Honorable Bay, we'd we'd, you know, take a look at our stats, look at, you know, the trends that we're having. Uh we also wanted to see, um, you know, in terms of our marketing efforts, you know, we would do Facebook ads, we targeted on different age groups, we do uh different types of advertising online and then we realized that, you know, the ads that work the best are at the at the 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 demographic that we currently have, and realized okay, this is something that's resonating with this type of you know these types of people. The student um, may not want the hundred dollar MBA because they either are already dedicated to going the business school route, or they already have too much on their plate. They need to make sure that they're studying for their exams and passing you know their courses as is. You know, plus they want to party. So <laughs> so um, we we realize that we need to make sure that. We're targeting the right people that need our services and need our course and things like that. Um, we also learned that you know it does take time to build uh, something that's solid. You know, we we didn't want to build something, sell a whole bunch of you know memberships, and then just you know leave the next day. You know, we wanted to make sure that we're here for the long run. We wanted to make sure that we're building relationships. You know, that's why we we, we have the blog. We also why we have the hundred dollar BA show podcast that. Uh, gives value. gives people a chance to learn about the $100 MBA and its lessons um, for free and build relationships for people. So when they're ready to sign up, um, they'll, they'll come to us.
1: So what marketing channels uh, seem to be the most effective so far?
0: Well, I have to be honest with you. For us, the most effective marketing channels have been content marketing through our podcast, through our blog, our own kind of uh, growth throughout time. Um, Facebook ads are not bad. They work well, but they obviously have to, they only work well if you're actually, um, sending them to something where they're going to have value. So if you're going to do a live webinar where you're going to be able to teach and show them that you're, you're, you're actually worth what you're doing. You know, you're going to prove to them that, you know, you know what you're talking about and, um, give them an example of what they would be signing up for, maybe like a live class or something like that. But a direct Facebook ad to sales page is really, um, you know, you're, you're shooting for the stars. It's really hard for you to actually convert on that because you haven't built any trust. You haven't built any relationship with anybody. So, um, Facebook ads were okay. If we, you know, did a webinar or we offered a free course of some sort, um, that works well. Um, as well as just word of mouth, you know, being on shows like this, also going to conferences, going to live events, things like that, networking and just being, um, being out there and making sure people understand what you do.
1: What kind of conferences uh, have you gone to?
0: Um, New Media Expo is a great conference, World Domination Summit. Um, I just came back from Podcast Movement, which, um, which is a great conference. This is the first time they ran it, um, which is a bunch of podcasters uh, in the podcasting world, a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, and a lot of people, they start podcasts so they can you know supplement a business, so they can be able to you know, uh, market with their business, their podcast, and they learn about the $100 MBA and say, hey, that sounds like something I really need. So, um, yeah, those are some great conferences, you know, South by Southwest is a great conference as well. And there's also all these really great local conferences in everybody's area, you know, go to meetup.com, you can find these, uh, or Eventbrite. So even these small ones that have like, you know, 50 to 100 people, it's fine, you know, you can make some friends and make
1: some connections. So, how did you get some of your first customers?
0: Well, we did a very long launch process. We um, we spent two months marketing the $100 MBA on our website through the blog, building an email list of people telling them, you know, if you sign up to our email list, you'll get, you know, uh, first notice updates when the $100 MBA will be opened. Um, we uh, gave them a discount on launch day for those who signed up, as well as uh, like an extra bonus and gift from Nicole and I. So we built a lot of anticipation, you know, way in advance. Um, also, part of the deadline of saying we're launching on this date puts your, you know, your, uh, you know, your rear end to the grill to make sure that you you actually launch on time and that you stick to your deadline because you've made it public. So uh, that that kind of helped us kind of get a whole bunch of new customers at the start um, by having like a very serious uh, extended launch. Um, and you know, I also did a lot of guest blogging. I'm a very big believer of getting in front of other people's audiences. You know, if you feel like your audience is not big enough or your list is not big enough. Then go out there and 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 start writing uh, blog posts for other high quality websites. You know we've guest blogged on, you know the Sparkline, on you know um, Digital Photography School, Darren Rouse's site, uh, Tuts Plus, a whole bunch of different sites. How do you
1: identify the sites where you want to guest blog? Because I think a lot of people want to do it, but you know they look at like. You know, pro blogger. I look at a lot of these other uh, very mm-hmm. high traffic sites where most most people don't really have a chance to to get in and blog. So, uh, how do you identify and then reach out to these bloggers?
0: Well, I first try to find, uh, learn more about their audience, find out who they're targeting, who who listens to you know to their advice, who reads their blog, and find out if they're a good match with my product or service. See if they are the type of person that would buy or would be interested in what I have to say um, that's kind of the first criteria. The second criteria is, um, I want to, I want some of that actually is active, like an active list, you know, like, um, for example, uh, a friend of mine, Justin Jackson, uh, who, um, is a great writer and has a great blog and he's big on marketing for products. And he has, he doesn't have a huge list, but his subscribers are very active. His Twitter followers are very active. When he tweets something out, he gets like, you know, 50 replies, you know, because, they all um, really love the things that he do. It does, and he cares for his subscribers, and he treats them with respect. So if you're, you know, guest blogging on a site like Justin's, then you're obviously going to get a lot better response than somebody who, you know, just, you know, uh, their content is not strong or their subscribers are not really into what you're, uh, what into what the actual website is or the owner of the website is doing. So that's kind of the first criteria. The second criteria: a lot of people are so worried about getting into these big names like Pro Blogger and things like that. You know I, I I'm not new in this game. I've been guest blogging for a very long time. I've been doing this for over you know six years, I've been writing. So um, it takes a while to to actually be recognized um, and and for good reason, you know they don't want they want quality content on their website. Um, there's a couple things I would say. It's first thing I would definitely um, don't belittle people's websites that have smaller followings. If people have you know they don't get as many visits, but you know um, they're willing to put you on there. You know, just just go ahead and take it. Don't don't um, you know, don't refuse just because have a small list. You know, maybe Darren Rouse, you know, has millions of of subscribers, but you can, you know, guest blog to 10 websites that have smaller and have just as just as uh, just the the same amount of subscribers if you wanted to. You know, if you want to put in the work. Uh, So that's that's one thing I would say is just, you know, don't don't be too proud to write at smaller blogs. And so you kind of move up there. And the other thing is that when you're going to guest blog, I don't actually go and ask for permission. I don't just say, hey, um, I would love to guest blog on this topic. You know, let me know what you think. I, I actually write the whole post um, with pictures, with everything, You know, 2,000 words, 2,500 words. And I send it to them and say, hey, this is a guest blog I would love to put on your website for your audience. It's catered to their audience. It speaks to their audience directly. You know, and I give them something for free as well, like um, you know, a course or an ebook or something to supplement the actual post. I give a lot of value. So I, I, I try to make it very difficult for them to say no. So they just look at it. Oh, it's already ready. It's already done. Looks great. You know, and if they say no, it's not a problem. I can publish it on my own website, and it's great value.
1: Yeah, it's a lot harder to say no when you know the other person really put in a lot of work than if somebody just sends you a cold email and say, Hey, I want to write for you, right?
0: That's one thing. The other thing is that you're actually proving to them that your work is worthy. Like, you know, you say, "Hey, I would love to guest post on your site." Like, that means nothing to them. They want to know, "Hey, are you? Is your stuff good enough for my site for my readers?" By providing that answer with your post, they can they can find out for themselves. Okay, this person's all right. You know, I I would publish this, and it's a good way for you to kind of um, get your foot in the door.
1: So when you look at these blogs. Do you look at Alexa rankings do you look at number of comments on posts do you look at do you look at any of these metrics?
0: Um, I don't look at Alexa rankings but I do look at you know how much engagement the uh, the website actually has how many shares their posts average things like that um, you know and again you know it's good to have a high quality high traffic website but it's not the end-all be-all you know again there's other websites are that, that are a lot more engaging you know that have smaller lists. Um, and I, if you're just starting out, I would just get in the habit of guest blogging and just get into there and just guest blog on your, on your friends' blogs or smaller blogs or, or anywhere people that would, would take your, your writing and just get in the habit of becoming a better writer for other people's audience. It's very easy. I say it's very easy, but it's easier to write for your own audience because you know them very well and you can be able to address them directly um, and they know you right? But to write for somebody else's audience is, is, is a skill in itself. You have to kind of study this website, study some of the articles that have resonated with the audience before, you know, take a look at what what their interests are, what their challenges are, what their pains are, and try to address them directly. And that's not an easy task. A lot of people think it's like, oh, I'll just write an article and put it on that website. It's You want to make sure it resonates with that audience.
1: Are you using any tools for this or it's just a browser and uh, it's old school kind. browsing
0: yeah exactly i just browse and and take a look at these websites and um and i mean at this point i i i kind of know which websites that uh i'd like to be on or i have been on or things like that so um you know I, I, to be quite honest with you not every website has said, said yes to me there's a lot of them that said no to me um but you have to understand it's, it's a numbers game you know you, if you can contact enough people and show them your work you know some people will say yes and some people will say no
1: now, you know, if somebody just starts out, it might be overwhelming. Do you do you have a number? Like, I mean, you know, is it like thousands of t- guest blogs that you need to make? Or is it, you know, like 50 or 100? Or do you need like 30, 40 uh, other blogs where you regularly guest, guest post? I mean, I, I'm not asking for a specific number, but just an idea.
0: Well, I think it's especially helpful when you're launching something. If you're launching a product, you're launching – like when we just launched the podcast, The $100 MBA Show – you know, I made sure that, you know, I reached out to a whole bunch of people and I had five different guest opportunities launching on day of launch. So on the day of the launch, um, I'm kind of seen everywhere. Everybody kind of sees me on these different sites and say, OK, it makes people pay attention. OK, I've seen this guy uh, write for this post, this post, this post. What's going on? What is he doing today? So it's really helpful on a launch to kind of have, you know, four or five, six guest posts being um, presented that day, or at least that week, for that to, uh, to happen. Um, if you're not a great writer, or you're not comfortable with writing a lot, I, I highly recommend you get into the habit of writing because you know right now Google doesn't listen; it only knows how to read. So it's good for uh, you know search engine optimization and, and being found on other sites. But you know you can also you know get on podcasts like this. You can get on video shows like on YouTube or Hangouts or whatever like that if you prefer the video uh, platform or the audio platform. So that also will give you exposure and also help you reach other audiences. Um, on a regular basis, you know, I, I would try to, you know, get into three guest blogs a month, you know, just, just so you can be able to uh, get into the habit and practice of writing for another audience.
1: So which social media platform has been the most effective for you to promote uh, the $100 MBA?
0: Well, our demographic really um uh, we looked at a whole bunch of different platforms, but we found that our demographic definitely um, uses uh, both Twitter and Facebook the most. Um, as a personal preference, I'm a more of a Twitter person. You know my partner Nicole is more a Facebook person. so we uh, we try to complement each other that way. Um, you know you can have some pretty interesting conversations on Twitter. You can ask you know, answer questions that people have about your so you're using
1: services. it more for networking Twitter.
0: Um, I'm using it more for, one, you know, providing some of the information, the updates, what's going on with our blog, and I also use it to you know, engage with some of the people that have questions and, and find people that have questions about business learning or business uh, in general. You know, some people ask me questions about the podcast, ask me questions about a lesson that I just taught, um, and they, you know, it's a way for us to go back and forth very quickly and build relationships, um, and it's also a good way for you just to build relationships with other people in your space. You know, other entrepreneurs in your space that you may want to work with. Yeah, uh,
1: can you hear me now? Well,
0: you know, good. Excuse me.
1: Yeah, uh, the band it was it lost you there for a little bit for a few seconds.
0: Yeah, so I was just saying, Facebook is really good when it comes to visuals. You know, if you're going to have images, you know, um, future images for your blog posts is great for posting videos, things like that. Um, we use that. Um, we use Facebook a lot when it comes to our uh, our podcast because we we do a giveaway on Fridays and uh, we actually put up a video uh, where we actually do the giveaway and we share the video and we direct people to that video on Facebook on our Facebook
1: page. So let's talk about uh, monetization uh, of uh, the hundred dollar MBA. Well, it's a hundred dollars? Uh, uh, the membership, but uh, is there? A- is there any other way that you plan to monetize uh, the hundred dollar MBA? Uh,
0: this is a really um, popular question a lot of people ask us because they say, "Wow, it's a hundred dollars, it's amazing value." You know, especially students that take it, they come back and they say, "This is." They go in, they see all the videos, all the all the materials, are like, "This is incredible value for only hundred um, dollars." And yes, you know, I I do understand that it, it is, um, quote unquote, underpriced. And we knew this going in that this is we wanted to really, really over deliver. We wanted to make sure people we just knock people's socks off with the amount of value they're getting. Um I'm a long term view guy, you know, the hundred dollars Embraer is something that I'm building as an entry level product so people can get to know me as a business owner, they get to know me as somebody who provides value that teaches business, um, and they get a taste. They actually spend money. And they feel satisfied. You know, I don't know if you've, you know, a good example is if you, you bought a shirt at a at a store that you love. Like say for example, you love shopping at Ralph Lauren, and you buy a, a polo shirt from him, and then you, you realize, oh, I love the shirt. It's been lasting me a very long time. It's great after I wash it. It's wonderful, right? Um, you're gonna go and buy a suit from him after that because that's it. You're a loyal customer. You've proven to me that your stuff is good, and that's how I see the Hunter MBA. You know, later on we're we're planning on. You know, in the future, possibly doing some events, some live events, where we'll be uh, doing some business training as well. Uh, but for right now, we're just trying to build our credibility in the space uh, as people that know what they're talking about, that actually provide value and support people um, uh, in a way that's, uh, that's, that that makes sense. You know, I want to make sure that people are happy and happy with our product. So yes, it's a hundred dollars. Yes, it's a low price, but um, you know, there's uh, there's there's the future. So this is just the beginning.
1: Uh, How many paying customers do you have now? Um, We have a little over 300. Okay. And have you considered um, a a membership site, or was that ever in the equation?
0: Uh, We did. Uh, We did consider a membership site, but we wanted to offer a lifetime membership because we know that some people, we found that in our audience, a lot of people, um, they want to be able to go back to it. They want to make a decision to buy right now, but they want to be able to go back to it. So um, we also have a, an option on the $100 Bay. If people don't want to pay $100, they could pay three payments of $35. If they want to break it down or maybe they just want to get started. We also have a dollar trial. So if people can give us a try for a dollar. Uh, they have seven days to check it out. And if they want to stick around, they'll pay $100. If they don't, they can cancel. And that's quite all right. It's fine. But we want to give people a chance to to, to see what they're getting into and, and make sure they're making a happy purchase. Um, so we thought of a membership site where it's reoccurring, but if we wanted to keep it very affordable. We wanted to, you know, the whole point is is to kind of be the the alternative to uh, expensive education. You know, and we could have charged a whole lot more. I could have charged five thousand dollars, and it would have been a great deal. You know, but um, the whole point is to make it affordable and accessible to everybody.
1: Very good. Um, well, Omar, thank you very very much for coming on Success Harbor to share your story and the story behind the $100 MBA. How can people find out more about uh, the $100 MBA or to connect with you?
0: Sure. Um, they can learn more about the $100 MBA at 100mba.net. That's 100mba.net. And a, a great way to learn about the $100 MBA and what we do in some of uh, you know, the lessons that we learn is, is our podcast. We have a podcast called The $100 MBA Show, uh, and they can learn more about that at 100mba.net slash show. Um, it's a daily podcast, five days a week, ten minutes an episode, so it's a good way to kind of get your feet wet. Uh, and if anybody has any questions directly to me, they can email me directly, omar at uh, 100mba.net. Um, I will reply personally.
1: Well, Omar, thank you. And everybody out there, check out The $100 MBA and um – I'm going to have a link in the show notes, and wish you wish you much luck with the $100 MBA, and hopefully you can come back maybe next year and share uh, how how it's growing.
0: I would love to, George, and thank you so much. Uh, I really love what you're doing uh, at Success Harbor. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much. Bye everyone.